are listening to the Calvary Church Podcast, where each episode features a life-transforming message that was previously recorded in one of our services. And now, let's join a service that's already in progress. I'm going to read from Matthew 17, verse 20 and 21. Matthew 17, 20 and 21. I'm not preaching about heaven today. It's funny, maybe for those of you that were here the last time I, I, that I spoke, I preached on hell. Um, and so I'm not preaching about heaven. I'm not preaching about hell today. But I do feel like the, word, the Lord has given me a word um, today that um, is going to speak to us. Um, it is kind of in one of those categories. If I could have jumped over it or passed it off, I would have. It's on fasting. So, and somehow we're having a big life group dinner in the fellowship hall today. So the irony of it all. Matthew 17, 20 and 21 says, So Jesus said to them, Because of your unbelief, for assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, everybody say, However. This is the line I don't feel like we read a lot. We get really excited about that. Faith of a mustard seed is going to really move something. We're thinking, well, that's great because I didn't have a lot of faith starting off, right? Maybe in just a little bit ought to do something. It says, however, this kind does not go, does not go out except by prayer and fasting. That tells me there's a little bit more to it. That tells me there's a little bit more to move in this mountain in my life. Before we're seated, I, I, I want to pray. I know it's time for the holidays. We're starting to get in that gear. But God still is moving in our lives, right? Just because it's time for the holiday, just because it's time to maybe try to, try to slow life down and, and be with our families and, and maybe... Um, go to a few events and such. God's preparing Calvary for something. I believe that. Amen. I believe that. So can we pray together right now? God, I thank you for the opportunity to hear your word this morning. God, I thank you for the opportunity to look into your word. God, I pray that it doesn't fall on deaf ears today. God, I pray for the soil, God, to be cultivated and turned. Lord, let something take root today. Let something take root that is a, a sure application and action taken in our lives, God. We pray, your humble servants, God, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. You may be seated. You may be seated. Fasting. Fasting is a deliberate abstinence. Abstinence from physical gratification. Usually going without food for a period of time to achieve a greater spiritual goal. Everybody's heard of it? Everybody's heard of fasting? Yeah. How many people just really enjoy to fast? Right? Because why? It's something against our flesh. It's something that is not um, something our body is desiring. Our body desires food. It doesn't desire not to have food. Fasting is intentionally denying the flesh in order to gain a response from the Spirit. You want to hear from the Spirit. You want to have a move of God in your life. The Bible tells us one way you can do that is by fasting. It means renouncing the natural in order to invoke the supernatural. You want a super move. 
of God in your life. The Bible says to fast. It's humility and self-denial to gain authority in the supernatural. There's a supernatural, there's a, a battle in the heavens, there's a battle in the spirit, right, going on around us, going on beyond just the everyday life of what we see and what we know. And if you feel like something's against you, if you know there's something beyond your control, the Bible tells us you want to try to fight against this, you're not going to be able to do it with your hands. Everybody hold your hands up. You're not going to be able to do it with your hands. You're not going to be able to do it by going someplace. You can't read a book. You can't take a class to fight this. The Bible tells us we've got to do this by prayer and fasting. We don't, uh, we're not so fast to, to get to um, more of God. So, sorry, let me try to say that again. When we fast, we're not trying to um, just get more of God. This isn't a filling station. Okay, let me tell it to you this way because I think subconsciously or, or second nature, we think of it this way. We just think, I just need somebody to pour a little bit of Jesus in me. Right? We process that. You know what? Let me just open myself up. That was great worship. God is here. Lord, just, you know, pour. And when I get to about here, I'll say, good, I'm, I'm full. And then I could leave for today. And that's, that's, a, that's why I came. I came to get filled up. We probably, there's probably even songs. I'm not in charge of music, so nothing's held against me for saying I can't remember if there is a song or not. But there's songs that's probably saying, fill me up. There is. I just thought of it in my head. There you go. All right. And I'm not saying there's anything against that song. Sometimes we just need to walk in here because our lives are wreck or we haven't pulled it together enough. And Sunday was the first time we thought about God. Anybody willing to be honest today? All right, and we're just like, okay, God, fill me up so we can get to other things that you need to work on me about, okay? But that's not how it works. When you're fasting, you're fasting because you have a hunger. There's been a separation between you and God. And when you fast, you're trying to draw closer to him. So it's actually, if this was yourself and this is God, you are saying less of me and more of you, God. This isn't, like we said, this isn't a filling station. You're not just dropping in to try to get more of him. It's actually less of you. It's actually less of you that you are committing and you're releasing control. We are preparing the vessel. We need more of him. Everybody say amen. amen. In Psalms 35 verses 12 through 14, David writes, they reward me evil for good. To the sorrow of my soul, but as for me, when they were sick, my clothing was sackcloth. I humbled myself with fasting. Hear what David's saying. There were people against him, and he chose to do what? Fast for them. He chose to fast for them, because why? That was the only way that was going to be accomplished. That was the only way there was going to be peace if he was fasting for them. It wasn't, oh, Paul worries me, right? And it goes on to say, and my prayer would return to my own heart. I placed about as though he were my friend or brother. I bowed down heavily as one who mourns for his mother. Prayed for this person, this adversary against him like it was for his own mother. How did he do that? It wasn't just a prayer after the emotion had hit him. It was because he fasted. 
You're not gonna pray for somebody like it was someone so dear to you in your family if it wasn't for fasting. Something separated, something drew him away and said, okay, this is not all about me. I've got to take away some of myself. And the more he drew closer to God, he began to do what? Not take arms up against those against him, but he began to pray for them like it was his mother. We fast for what? We fast for clarity in the Holy Ghost, and that's what David was doing. In the Old Testament, they did what to get closer to God? They had to walk through the tabernacle. They entered, they entered, and they started into the gates with thanksgiving, into the courts with praise. They weren't even there yet. They weren't even there yet in the center, in the Holy of Holies, and they were doing what? They were trying to take off the things that were such a focus in their life. They were setting aside the ways and the things of the world. They were trying to just slowly set these things off and they went to the candlesticks. They went to the showbread. They're just slowly making their way to the Holy of Holies. If I could be honest with someone here today, you're gonna walk away feeling good about yourself. You're gonna walk away feeling good about yourself here this Sunday morning but you have so much junk in your life still. You're gonna walk away feeling touched. You're gonna walk away feeling like you've been in the presence of God. But guess what? That's not gonna be enough. Because come Monday, you're gonna forget about the presence of God that you stood in. You're gonna walk right back in. You're gonna pick back up that junk that you set at the door right there and you're gonna walk right back in to the same mess because why? You didn't get to carry that presence with you. When they, when they, in the Old Testament, when they stepped out of the presence, they walked right back out into the world. They walked right back out into life. And unless we take another step, unless we push ourselves a little bit further, we're going to keep picking it up. We're going to keep walking right back in to the same mess. We might remember the sermon. We might remember that song and we might be able to carry it a little bit further. Maybe it's not till Wednesday that all of a sudden we felt the weight draw back down on us again. And the Bible says that we could do what? However, this kind does not go out except by what? Prayer and fasting. David wrote in Psalm 69, Psalm 69, when I wept and chastened my soul with fasting, when I wept and chastened my soul with fasting, when I restrained or I brought moderation, there was an effect to say, not so much of me, moderation, not so much of me or not so much of these things in my life. I need some moderation. I chastened my soul. I pushed against what my fleshly desires were I brought some moderation to my life. And his next line says, that became my reproach. Reproach, a disapproval. That became the disapproval of my flesh. I had to chasten it. I had to do what? And this was all with fasting. Fasting. In 1 Corinthians 9, verse 27, Paul, who tells us I die daily, he says here in this verse, 1 Corinthians 9, 27, but I just dis- I dis- discipline my body and I bring it into subjection. I bring it in an alignment where it needs to be, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. You ought to uh, first sometimes to remind, you ought to fast sometimes just to remind your body who's in control. 
You shouldn't just think, well, I don't have anything coming up. I don't need any guidance from God right now. Maybe you should just put it on the calendar to remind your body who is in control. In Luke, in Luke 5, Jesus is questioned about fasting from our none only the Pharisees. Excuse me. From the Pharisees in Luke 5, here Jesus had been doing a great work. And they say to him, then they said to him, why do the disciples of John fast often and make prayers and likewise those of the Pharisees, but yours eat and drink? Everybody else, all the other disciples are praying, fasting, but Jesus, what about your disciples? We notice they never pray and fast. He told them you have too much time on your hands. No, he probably should have. He could have maybe. And he said to them, can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom will be taken away from them. Then they will fast in those days. He told them, why would they fast if they're with me right now? They don't miss me. I'm with them every day. They don't have to do something to deny themselves so they can draw closer because they're with me every day. We fast because we want to draw closer. Jesus said, there's no need for that right now. Now hold on to that verse. We're going to come back around to it. I want to look now at John 21. We're going to look at these 10 verses. So hold on to this verse of the Pharisees asking Jesus about their disciples and then fasting John 21, it says, After these things, Jesus, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. Remember, so he'd already crucified and risen, and he keeps coming back. The three times he comes back to the disciples to reveal himself and to talk with them. And he says, And in this way he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Canaan, Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I love this part. I am going fishing. What else do you do when Jesus has resurrected, he's given you some direction, and you got to kind of bring things in alignment? You go fishing. Amen. Amen. Maybe the Lord's telling me to fast fishing. Where's the organ? All right. Well, we'll pray about that, won't we? They said to him, we are going with you also. So all the disciples are saying, you know, we're going to go with you. They went out and immediately got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had come, now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? And they answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat. And you will find some, so they will. So they cast, and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it and plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, but about 200 cubits, about 100 yards. So Jesus is about 100 yards from them yelling 
to their boat, and Peter has jumped out and is swimming back. Then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have just caught. Now this is one of the times that Peter has jumped from the boat. This time maybe in a little bit more shallow of waters, but he's taken a leap of faith. Anybody ever jumped out of a boat? Has anybody in here never been in a boat? Everybody been in a boat? Oh, yeah. Everybody's been in a boat, okay? I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe you haven't been in a boat. But if you, if you haven't been, that's the safe place. That's the safe place to be is in that boat when you're out there on the water, especially if you don't have a life jacket on. I don't, maybe that's the first life jacket we heard of is right there in the Bible, Peter, the outer garment. I don't know, but he made it to shore. So I want to look one more, I want to look at one other verse before we tie these two together is in Matthew 14, verse 22. Here we have another time the disciples are in the boat. So Jesus has just fed the 5,000. Jesus doesn't take many breaks. I know in scripture, sometimes it's hard to decipher or we'll go from one verse to the next and we're like, oh, okay, 400 years just passed. I know we there's moments where we're, we're trying to process this, but, and I know they even tell us that if they recorded, nothing could record. Nothing could record all the works and miracles that Jesus did. So even if you take that into consideration that we're missing even things that are happening in between here, Jesus is on the move constantly, or they're on the move looking for him. So Matthew 14, 22 to 33, it says here, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. Like I said, the boat is not a bad place. In terms of this thought that I'm trying to present to you today, I would say the boat is the church. Jesus told them to get into the boat. Jesus isn't going to send them into a bad place. This is a place of safety. This is a place of refuge. And in this story, we even see what? A storm comes upon them. And who put them in the boat? Jesus. He wasn't putting them in harm's way. He knew that that was coming, but put them in a place of safety. It's the church. It's a Sunday service. It's a Wednesday night Bible study. Oxano, could I say to you for Brother Anthony and Sister Amber, it's your Wednesday night service. It's the youth weekends where you go to a revival. It's your camp. It's your fall retreat. These are your safe places. These are your refuge. This is the place where you hear God, where great moves of God, and you mark these things in your life to look back and to stand on. It says here that he put them in the boat and sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Verse 25 says, Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. Jesus speaks to them on the waves of the sea. 
Here they are in their safety. Here they are in the refuge. And that's where they hear the voice of God. How many have heard the voice of God when you're here in this church before? Through a sermon, through a worship service. On the waves of the sea, Jesus, they hear his voice and they hear, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, oh, you of little faith, why? Why do you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. They even returned back to the boat after this moment. The boat is a safe place. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand. Nope, sorry, I already read that. Then those who were in the boat came and worshiped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Have you ever came to a point in your life where you were ready to abandon everything? Have you ever got to a point in life where you said, this is it, I'll turn away and walk away from all of it. For the good or for the bad, you know what this feeling is. Peter recklessly leaped from the boat because he hungered to be with Jesus. In both instances, he steps out of the safe place. He steps out of the place of refuge. He steps out of the place that Jesus had designed for him to hear his voice. Speaking of voices. Jesus had put him in that boat. Jesus had set him up in a place. And in that place is where he would hear Jesus' voice. But when it came time because of hunger, when it came time because he wanted something more, when it came time after response of hearing Jesus' voice, Peter doesn't jump out of the boat before he hears God's voice. Okay, some of us need to hear that probably, all of us, including myself. Sometimes we think we've got an idea, but is it the voice of God? Have you waited to take action? Have you waited to take a step? If you've got a decision weighing in your life that could change the trajectory of, your, of you, of your business, of your family, of all that you are, I would wait until you've heard the voice of God. Amen? Amen, amen. It's the fight of the flesh. It's the crisis of the will. So easy is it for us to act off of emotion. It's that internal fight. And it's our will against the spirit that lives within us. It is a true leap of faith from within. Very easy, very easy is it to react very easy is it for, to us, for, to, uh, for us to step into the boat. That's a leap of faith just to step into the boat. But how much harder is it sometimes then externally, the fight against our will to step out of the boat? That step shows a step of submission, not just driven by emotion. It's Jesus calling to us on the waves of the sea. But if you want that emotion to take root and have action in your life, you have, you have to have submission of your will. If your relationship with God is going to go any distance, 
I guarantee at one point in your life you're going to say, this has become so routine in my life. I've stepped into the boat and I never left. This has been a great place. I hear and I feel the presence of God. But after you hear the presence of God, my challenge to you today is what are you doing with that? What are we doing after we've heard the voice of God? I challenge us today that we must take our faith then to fasting. Except, he says, however, except by prayer and fasting. Matthew 17, verses 14 to 21. We started, we read the end of this earlier. It starts at verse 14 and says, And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to him, kneeling to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he's an, an epileptic and suffers severely, for he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cure him. Jesus, I brought him to your disciples, those who walk with you, those who have prayed other people through. I brought him to to those that you've trained, and they couldn't cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless, perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? I think in that moment, God, help my unbelief. God, help my unbelief. I'm not going against the fact that we serve a God of of grace and a God of mercy, but I think every once in a while, we have to hear a thought. We have to hear a sermon. We've got to read something in our Bible that says, "I I need to be pushed out of this boat a little bit. I need to be pushed out of this comfort and this surrounding. I gotta realize it's not enough to just show up on Sunday. It's not enough to just come here and write notes during Bible study. There's gotta be something more to this walk and relationship with God if I'm gonna grow in my relationship with him. I'm preaching to myself today, don't be confused, and I'm going to throw this, push this off one of these times. Oh my goodness, you should see what's in here. I'm just kidding. There's nothing. You're kitty kitty. All right. So <laughs> I've even moved it more than once today, but I I don't know. I don't even know where I'm at. Matthew 17. Matthew 17, it says, then Jesus said to him, so he's, he's talking to them. He, I think in this moment, he's pushing them. He's saying, I'm not going to be with you forever. Everything I've, You have everything I've taught you to do. You know what to do. Here again, he's kind of being frustrated with them. And he finally just says, bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked the demon, and it came out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples came to him came to Jesus privately and said, why couldn't we cast it out? Jesus, why, why couldn't we do this? This is, this is part of the ministry that you have shown us. So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith as of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. But I feel like that's where we stop a lot of times, and there are moments, there are moments where God moves in that faith, but what about when he does not? What about when there's a challenge up against you and you have lost 
your faith? What about when there's a challenge against you when you're like, that's about all I have left is a faith of a mustard seed. And he says what? However, however, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. So now the disciples, let's look here as we start the church in the book of Acts. Jesus um, has gone this time, gone to prepare a place in Acts 13, verse 1. It says, now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up by Herod the Tetrarch and Saul, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted. So here you see the group, the Bible specifically here, the author of Acts, he's listing those who were here, men of capabilities in ministry. And he says, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said. There's a reason it's in that order. It doesn't say the Holy Spirit did all of this and then they fasted. It says, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. I want to keep reading in this chapter for what happens. Verse four says, so being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, And from there they sailed to Cyprus, and when they arrived in Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. They also had John as their assistant. Verse 6, now when they had gone through the island of Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bargesus, who who was with the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man. This man called for Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the sorcerer, for so his name is translated, withstood them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Verse 9 is powerful. It says, Then Saul, who is called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit. Why can't they just say, with the Holy Spirit? I'm telling you, because he fasted. Because he knew it, this wasn't, Paul knew what he was up against. Paul knew and God had been directing them, you're coming up against something. They had been directed by the Spirit at times even to go around certain areas when they traveled, sometimes a farther distance. And it said that the Spirit guided them. So here, because they did what? Because they fasted also. He was filled with the Holy Spirit, looked in, intently at him and said, Oh, fool of all deceit. And all fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? And now indeed the hand of the Lord is upon you and you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. This isn't a normal work that the disciples were up against or doing every day. They didn't go around just telling people you're a sorcerer, you're full, you're the son of the devil and blinding people. This was something beyond the boat. This was something after the seas, after the waves of the seas, after they had heard God's voice, after they had been given God's direction. They were up against something they had never maybe been up against before. And you see him, after fasting, filled with the Holy Spirit, does this work, the Lord working through him. And immediately a dark mist fell on him, and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand, and the proconsul believed when he saw what had been done, being astonished at the teaching 
of the Lord. The disciples were committed. They were committed, but to do a work of the supernatural, to do a work of the supernatural, they had to be fasting. It wasn't going to come by them just coming to church on Sunday. It wasn't going to come as God directed them to start paying their tithe and to be a part of their body of Christ. There was something more. They had to do what? They had to step out of the boat if they were going to be used of God in this supernatural way. Now coming back to this verse, Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. And I'm coming to a, a close here. Luke chapter 5, verse 36. Then he spoke a parable to them. No one puts a piece from a new garment on an old one. So this is connecting the verse earlier that we read saying, why would they pray if they're with, why would they pray and fast if they're with the bridegroom right now? So he begins to give them an analogy. This is to the Pharisees. And he says, otherwise the new makes a tear and also the piece that was taken out of the new does not match the old. Sister Selesha Wheeler, can I hear an amen? You don't put, the, you don't put new garment in, into the old garment. It's just not how it works. Even I know that. I've never sewed before. Well, the pair that I did of shorts, I did sew in uh, economics. Yep. Couldn't wear them. Couldn't walk in them. Something went wrong. In verse 37, it says, and no one puts new wine into old wineskins. So he gives them more than one analogy here. He says, you don't even, you don't do this with material. You don't do this with garments. You don't either with wine. So this is very relevant to them in this time and in their culture. And he says, no one puts wine into old wineskins or else the new wine will burst the wineskins and be spilled and the wineskins will be ruined. What's he saying? There was a process in how they would mature the wine. But if you had already stretched a vessel, if you had already stretched it out and then put new wine in there and that new wine needed to expand and the vessel you had poured it into had already been stretched to its maximum amount, it was going to break. It didn't make sense to do that. And he's saying everybody knows that. Everybody knows you don't pour new wine into an old wineskin or a used wineskin or else the new wine will burst. Verse 38 says, but the new wine must be put into a wine, a new wineskin and both are preserved. And no one having drunk old wine immediately desires new wine for he says the old is better. He continues to talk. This isn't a conversation about wine though. This is a conversation about the presence of God. This is a conversation about the spirit living within there. There was a lot more to this. As the musicians come, I'll ask you to stand here for my last thought as I continue to tie these things together. My question to all of us today is how many times have we come to God in a wreck or in pieces and God pours into us. Let me see your eyes for one second. God pours into us. We have a great move of God. We ask God to touch us. We ask God to impart wisdom. We ask God to give us revelation. We ask God to move on us in a mighty way. And he does. Because we know what? We know where the boat's at. 
We know how to get into the boat when the waves of the sea are moving. And when we hear his voice, when we hear his voice, all of us, all of us, sometimes we're so weary, we're so tired, we do what? We finally relax. We've heard the voice of God. It's peaceful, isn't it? The presence of God you felt this morning, it's peaceful. You begin to relax. But I'm telling you today, a lot of those times, what's happened, we've poured that fresh presence. We've poured that voice of God into an old wineskin. We just stayed depleted. We stayed broken. And God poured into us into an old wineskin. We didn't transfer it to a fresh vessel. We don't take the time after we've heard the voice of God to do what? Pray and fast. Talking to myself. How many times have you received a revelation in life? How many times have you walked to this altar and sobbed because you know that God spoke so directly to you and you walked away feeling good? You walked away knowing I I was where I was supposed to be today and that's why God spoke to me. And then you turned around on Monday. Maybe it lasted till Wednesday and all of a sudden you had forgotten what God said to you. All of a sudden you picked all that junk back up and you begin to go through life and you didn't feel any different. You just put all the blame on yourself. Yet the Bible tells us Some of these things are not overcome unless by what? Prayer and fasting. If we want God to move on us internally, we have to submit to being changed. The disciple Peter, it didn't matter if the water was shallow or if it was deep, he was stepping out of that boat. After he had heard the voice of God, after he knew it was Jesus, he was leaping because he wanted something more. He had been away from Jesus and wasn't even next to him right then. He was in the safety and the refuge of the boat. In fact, one time the rest of the disciples had to do what? They had to keep doing the work of the church. They had to keep working from the boat. The Bible says they were bringing in the rest of the fish to the shore. But, but Peter was so hungry. Peter was so overcome with something that he knew the only way to get closer to God was to leave the boat in that moment. Our lives are full of quick external commitments. So many times we're moved by emotions, sometimes just driving and we hear a song and we think we've got this moment of revelation. And what do we do with it? What do we do with it? They just don't last. Because why? Our flesh is greater. We allow our flesh to be greater constantly. How quick would we sink in the water? How long would we last when we stepped out of that boat? Even with our eyes on Jesus himself. How long would you? How long would I have last. Can you hear Jesus saying to you right now, oh you of little faith, why 
did you doubt? Why did you doubt? Because why? Because after the waves, after the waves of the sea had calmed down, after our emotions were, were settled, after life kept going, after our time with God, we didn't take it further. We didn't take it to prayer and to fasting. If you want to see God move mountains in your life, it'll be after the waves of the sea. It'll be after you've heard the voice of God and after the waves and you've stepped out of the boat and after the waves of the sea have all calmed down and you realize that emotion that you were overcome by It helped. It helped you to stand higher than you were before. You weren't uh, below water for that moment. But after it all settles down, there's still some brokenness. There's still some way that you have to be determined to overcome this. So I want to open this altar today as they begin begin to sing. I know this isn't just a, here's an issue in my life, I'm just encouraging you to bring it to God. I, I, I feel challenged. This is a, something God laid on my heart to challenge the Calvary Church to prepare us, prepare us. After I'd been working on it for a little bit, I was reminded, I thought about the fact that our church typically does what come the beginning of the year? We have a time of prayer and of fasting. How many of you are sick of the mundane part of life spiritually? That when you walk out of here Sunday, you come back Wednesday, you look back and for years, you feel like you're in the same place still. You haven't broke through a barrier. You haven't broke through and reached a different level spiritually. However, however, by prayer and fasting, after the waves of the sea, what will you do? This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Consider joining us for a service where you will find friendly people, high-energy music, and life-transforming preaching and teaching from a biblical worldview. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or on our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com. Until next time, thanks for listening.